0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Negotiation. And on today's show, we did something a little bit special. We had held a webinar with WPIC and Alibaba Cloud earlier this week to kind of celebrate and recap the enormity and immensity of Singles Day and the shopping bonanza that it is. We had Hao Lin, Head of Channel and Strategic Initiatives at Alibaba Cloud on the show, as well as Joseph Cook, President of WPIC Marketing and Technologies. We spoke about opportunities for global brands in China, the process it would need to undertake, what an ICP license is, etc., as well as the broader trends that are being seen in the market today and how technology is impacting them. We then shifted gears into talking directly about Singles Day. I think we eclipsed last year's record, hit about $38 billion in sales, and we talked about some of the trends that we were seeing there, as well as some of the winning tactics the brands uh, had used to be successful. We captured the webinar and are now producing it and releasing it to everybody as a podcast. So uh, without further ado, I think we'll just jump right into it, and I hope you enjoy. Home to over $4 billion people, the Asia-Pacific region boasts one of the most powerful consumer markets on the planet. Not only is it home to half the world's under-30 population, but it's also home to more than half the world's internet users. It's a market no globally-minded brand should ignore, but entering markets like China is no easy task. Just ask the likes of Microsoft, Google, Uber, and Facebook. Times are changing, and with the right partners, doors are slowly opening as more and more companies find success expanding into the markets of the Middle Kingdom. I myself spent eight years in China, mostly as a venture capitalist, helping early-stage tech companies enter the Asia-Pacific market successfully. This show is dedicated to uncovering and examining successful China entry and growth strategies by interviewing the people behind those success stories. My name is Todd Embley, and welcome to The Negotiation, brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, My name is Todd Embley, and I am the host and executive producer of The Negotiation podcast, and I'm excited to be moderating this fantastic webinar on Winning with Cloud Computing in China. I'm going to be joined today by two special guests. Uh, First, I'd like to introduce Hao Lin, who's joining us from San Francisco. Hao is the Head of Channel and Strategic Initiatives at Alibaba Cloud. For those who aren't aware, Alibaba Cloud is a leading cloud computing platform that provides small, medium, and enterprise organizations with cloud solutions across a variety of sectors. Hao, thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. And out of Vancouver, we are joined by Joseph Cook, who is the president of WPIC Marketing and Technologies. WPIC is a tech consultancy with co-head offices in Vancouver and Beijing, and they help global businesses expand into China and Japan through data analytics, e-commerce solutions, digital marketing, and much, much more. Joseph, thank you very much for jumping on here.
1: Thanks, Todd. Pleasure to be here.
0: Just to kick things off, why don't you guys describe for the audience at a high level what the opportunity is for global brands in China? Uh, Maybe I'll throw that over to Joseph first.
1: Sure. Thanks, Todd. Pleasure to be here today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Well, when we look at the opportunity, you know, we can trace a trajectory, you know, back a half a dozen years in China where we've seen the, you know, Internet citizen rate, you know, go from, you know, three, four hundred million skyrocket up to, you know, give or take a billion, you know, depending on which data you look at. So, you know, it's a massive Internet market. It's the most massive Internet market in the world. Um, You know, overlay that with some of the details and metrics we have around the quantitative value of this market as well. What we see from straight e-commerce transactions, we see north of a trillion US in annual GMV for online purchases. And that doesn't even take into account those that research and make purchasing decisions online, but then take the purchase offline. So it's an incredibly massive, influential, and very important internet um, in the world to be focused on. However, you know, we're challenged with this firewall that surrounds the market. And that firewall can cause all sorts of complexity for global organizations who wish to sell in, grow their market and enter the market via the web. Uh, the importance of understanding what that firewall does, you know, can't be overstated. And this is why, you know, we want to talk about cloud solutions inside the market, the importance of understanding what that is and ways to mitigate... Uh, the, the penalties that the firewall will, will provide to you. Okay,
0: how? same question. I'll toss it over to you. Uh, do you want to maybe give the audience a look into what the opportunity is for global brands in China?
2: Yeah. No, thank you. And I think uh, uh, Joseph uh, really uh, provided a very comprehensive answer. Uh, you know, I can only uh, try to add on to what Joseph said. But, you know, just like Joseph said, you know, it's a, it's a very, very large market. And, you know, we really haven't, uh, you know, gone to even realizing half, uh, you know, of the total market yet. Uh, a ton of internet users, a ton of mobile users, uh, you know, and uh, because of the unique uh, environment, you know, both, uh, you know, the the habits from the consumers, uh, the, the widely available and adopted mobile payments, uh, you know, and, and all sorts of different commerce motions, uh, you know, that have happened right in front of our eyes. You know, in many ways, you know, eclipsing, you know, what's happened in the Western world. Uh, you know, it really is a great opportunity uh, for global brands uh, to start capture uh, uh, capturing some of these, uh, uh, you know, newly, um, um, how do I say this, uh, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, a very booming middle class. Uh, you know, and their consumption habits uh, and their consumption targets. Now, you know one of the the welcoming things you know for companies uh, from the Americas or from the Western world is that they love quality goods, right? So uh, they often you know seek out uh, to uh, companies and brands from the Americas because they perceive that you know companies from this side usually uh, equate to quality goods. Uh, so you know we really have uh, this, uh, buyers wanting to buy and sell, or wanting to sell, situation. And just like Joseph said, we just need to make sure that we can uh, be well prepared uh, to enter this market, play the way that this market needs to be played, and then maximize uh, the opportunity for the China market. And, and that includes, you know, technology. Joseph talked about uh, the firewall, among other things, uh, that uh, you know we really should be more prepared about, uh, and, and uh, you know, in order to truly capture. Uh, this booming market.
0: Okay, so, how? let's continue on with that. You were talking about being more prepared. What's the process that brands need to undertake in order to fully realize this opportunity?
2: Well, that's a great question. I think, uh, you know, first of all, uh, you know, we have to look at China uh, not just as another market. I think this is probably, uh, you know, based on my experiences dealing with global brands, this is probably the biggest misnomer. Uh, you know, in, in in terms of trying to uh, get a bigger share of the China market. So uh, a lot of the companies I deal with, uh, they try to leverage the strategy they have globally, whether it's a, a technology strategy or it's a business strat- expansion strategy or it's a customer acquisition strategy. They try to uh, leverage the global strategy and simply make that the China strategy. Uh, I would say... Uh, that is probably the number one thing that the global brands should get o- get over uh, and really have a, a China for China strategy. And, you know, once we got that out of the way, once, you know, the, uh, you agree that, uh, you know, China requires a different strategy uh, in order to be successful for global brands, then uh, you can start taking a look at all different aspects you know of the business environment the political environment the technology environment uh you know among others there are a lot of different elements at play that uh, are very very different from from them of the of the western world so i'll give an example uh you know do you know that uh you know of the e-commerce transactions uh that uh you know joseph was speaking about right uh you know and in China does uh, have the largest e-commerce market globally. Do you know that 90% of all transactions take place on mobile? So uh, I'll tell you this, I, you know, I work for Alibaba and, uh, you know, I still purchase uh, goods from amazon.com on my laptop. I prefer that, right? This is, uh, you know, a very, very big difference between, uh, you know, the consumer habits of, uh, China and and the rest of the world and, and this is I'm hoping one of the things that can illustrate you know China is a different market and in order to fully capture uh, maximize your opportunity in China you got to do things differently. Uh, and I would say that's the, the number one advice uh, you know I would uh, have for brands uh, in, in order to maximize their China opportunity just to have a strategy for China uh, uh, and, and not have it be just uh, you know a part of your global strategy.
0: Okay. Thanks, Hal Joseph, what are the first steps in the process of brands realizing this opportunity in China?
1: Well, let's take a step back. Let's look at the market as a whole, right? So, you know, you have your obvious big four cities, Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, Guangzhou. This is typically referred to as the first-tier cities. Um, you have other concepts in China where you talk about the China 50 or second-tier cities, right? Um, the China 50 might be the next 50 biggest cities inside China. Um, You know, there's data to, you know, talk about, you know, there's 100, 102, 105 cities in China, all with 100 million people plus, you know, the likelihood that brands and organizations in the US or globally don't know the names of these cities or where they're located is pretty high, right? So, you know, you think about strategies of how to approach the market for brick and mortar, you know, signing distributors, going kind of classic international expansion methodology, is where you would you know sign one distributor maybe two cut the market up geographically into two parts north south or east and west let distributors take it or you know invest in some brick and mortar in your first tier cities you know it's one thing to you know establish you know a flagship retail outlet you know in you know Nanjing Lu in Shanghai right where you're going to get a lot of foot traffic but really i mean you're talking about scratching the surface of maybe you know basis points of that actual market right the real market, how touched on the rising middle class, the real market sits inside these second tier cities, right? You know, cities like Chongqing with over 30 million people in them, Jinan, Nanjing, Suzhou, you know, cities that, you know, global companies rarely go to, rarely invest in. And you have this hunger, you know, of users and customers inside these cities and territories, you know, with a thirst for... You know, foreign brands, high quality products, just like how outline and how are they accessing this information? How are they learning about these brands and how, most importantly, are they making these purchases? Right. It's happening through web. It's happening through digital. Primarily, it's happening through mobile. Right. Um, I think there was news that had just come out about, you know, the largest 5G network now being inside China. This is obviously going to support the thesis that how just outlined about mobility. Right, which is gonna touch, you know, the majority of that country fairly soon. They're looking at eight, eight hundred and fifty million people having access to this 5G network inside China. So, as you said, you know, and your question was, you know, what's the first step to approaching this? Well, I think the first step is probably to understand what the market makeup really is, right? It's diversified, it's spread across a huge geography, but it's largely centralized inside mobile and inside web, right? So although it's large and complex and spread out the gateway into it really is fairly straightforward you can put this into one page right through mobile through digital through the web through good it and these things then all boil down to accessing the chinese internet which is its own internet which is then powered by the cloud and in this case you know talking about alibaba cloud is a perfect example of taking you know best in class infrastructure to access the world's largest Internet purchasing e-commerce market. The approaches are fairly straightforward, right? We acquire a local domain, you know, a .cn rather than a .com. We register that domain to acquire an ICP license. This is essentially a license plate for a domain to allow content to be hosted inside China, right? We register this domain with the Ministry of Information, the body that oversees and regulates the web inside China. Once we've done that, we can then open up hosting. On the cloud, inside China, once we've done that, then we can push content in there. So it's really a three, four, five-step process, which is a fairly light lift um, you know, to be able to do that. You know, There's some complexity around compliance and regulation and approvals and licensing and things like that. But there's some pretty straightforward ways to lower that bar and, and mitigate that general red tape.
0: Okay, thanks, Joseph. Maybe speak a little bit to the sort of opportunities having a dedicated .cn. You mentioned the .com, then going to the .cn and the ICP. Um, getting that .cn uh, inside the market, what, what does that do for opening up, a, uh, opening up the market for a brand? You know, what does the, the world look like from the lens of a company that's using these technologies we're discussing versus those who are not?
1: Yeah, well, once you have a .cn and you're hosted inside the market, then you're in the game right now you can start rolling out tactics and methodology um you know content strategies marketing strategies various digital strategies inside the market to now actually go after it you can play ball in the game right if you're not if you're not localized via domain via icp via getting inside the chinese cloud network then you're subject to whatever's going on on a macro level and i'll give you some examples right so You know the firewall around you know China is a bit of a black box. We test, we measure, we analyze, we pull data, we get some ideas of the consequences of what the firewall really does, and we get some clues and some patterns. Right, some patterns that we've been able to discover is that you know the firewall throttles non-Chinese web traffic on a daily basis. This typically happens late afternoon into the evening when Chinese internet traffic goes into its peak performance modes. Right, so You know, let's stick with the suggestion that at the low end, there's 850 million people online in China. That requires a lot of metal and a lot of networking and a lot of fiber to be able to support that, right? When we hit max demand online inside China at that period of time, the firewall seems to prioritize domestic traffic that sits on local domains, that has an ICP, that's gone through the approval processes for content delivery, inside the market, right? So for brands that sit on a.com slash CN, use some kind of a global CDN, you know, that they think can push Chinese language pages into China. What happens when the throttling starts to fire up in the evening, when you most want to be live inside China is that traffic starts to get slowed down and sometimes fully blocked. And this is just a nature of capacity inside the market, right? Um, really nothing else. So, You know, trying to outsmart the firewall by mitigating, you know, doing the right thing by maybe trying to cut a corner by going on a CDN really isn't going to get the result. And we have countless examples of brands trying to do that. It's just not going to get the result that one one wants, right? So, you know, doing the dot CN route and taking that lift on that extra little bit of effort, that last mile of tech work, um, all of a sudden now changes your world for now being able to participate in the game and go after some of that share a wallet which is north of a trillion U.S. annually. So it's a significant, significant, um, you know, game changer, we think, for organizations.
0: How do you want to jump on that as well? Um, maybe you have a different perspective on the value of a dedicated dot CN. Yeah,
2: maybe, maybe from, uh, you know, going away from a pure uh, performance perspective, which mm-hmm. uh, Joseph outlined extremely well. Mm-hmm uh you know it's uh, uh as part of the cybersecurity law uh you know from uh the chinese government that was uh, implemented uh, at the beginning of uh, 2018 you know it's uh it's now required for a uh, uh a foreign uh company uh when they want to own a uh domain name in china uh they need to register it with a chinese registrar so let me let me tell you what that means you can no longer uh, go buy a domain name from GoDaddy and then try to apply for an ICP with it, okay? So, so maybe maybe I can speak to it a little bit more technically. Uh, you, know, you might or might not need to get a .cn. Uh, it could be .whatever else, but it definitely cannot be your global site. So, so the intent behind this uh, uh, cybersecurity law uh, uh, and its stipulation on ICP is to ensure that global companies have a, chi- have a China-specific site. So, uh, you know, by what Joseph just talked about, which was extremely detailed, uh, not only does it have uh, significant performance advantages uh, by having a scene with ICP, but it is now also compliant. And uh, the Chinese government uh, has uh, every right uh, to uh, shut down a non-compliant uh, website and web domain uh, at moments' notice. And this has happened to some of the largest brands in the world. Uh, so I would say that you know it's, it's extremely important as you consider uh, you know getting a, uh, a web presence uh, for China that uh, you know you want to make sure that. Uh, you know, you can do everything uh, in your power. And again, going back to my you know China for China strategy, you know, to really uh, go with a solution uh, that would not only be performant, but compliant. And now I'd like to take a maybe a lighter angle, you know, on this issue. You know, uh, I, I personally met with a, an outdoor uh, sporting uh, apparel a brand uh, based out of Vancouver. This was about a year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, they, they, they sell in China. They're a very popular brand in China. Uh, and uh, they they go through uh, distributors uh, for the most part. And what happened was I asked them about their website performance. And, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's not great, but it's, you know, doable. You know, we get by. So when I uh, went to China, and I, I remember very vividly, I was sitting in a Marriott hotel in Shanghai, and I pulled up their website. And, and and I took a video clip of it and sent it to them. The video clip was a, a minute and a half long. You know, it took over a minute to pull up their website uh, in Shanghai, right? So a lot of times, you know, uh, you might feel that, uh, you know, the, the the performance is acceptable or you're not hearing a lot of complaints, you know, from the Americas. But, but in fact, you know, it is extremely bad. Uh, and, and the reason why you don't hear about them is because uh, customers simply just go elsewhere. There are too many choices, uh, you know, uh, for, for consumers and, 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 you know, on the digital presence of different brands and they just simply go elsewhere. So, uh, you know, this is not an issue to take lightly. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's a very important issue. Again, uh, Joseph uh, outlined with a, a lot of detail. That was very helpful.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the speed, almost the the frenetic nature of the attention of the Chinese consumer. So maybe I'll let you continue a little bit and talk about the types of technologies that different brands need to leverage, given this information.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. So speed's only one thing. Uh, One thing I would tell you is that, uh, you know, the Chinese consumers are very spoiled uh, with, uh, the availability of different type of contents. Even if we strictly take a look at, uh, you know, where and what they're able to shop on their mobile phone for, right. Uh, you know, they're extremely impatient, which is why, you know, Alibaba, uh, has spent, uh, billions of dollars, literally in building a very robust and fully optimized backbone for China, because, uh, Ah, uh, Taobao and Tmall. Uh, these core businesses of Alibaba depend uh, on the ability to be able to uh, have uh, you know our consumers get to the content that we want to push to them. You know, literally a moment's notice. So, so speed is one thing. Uh, people are impatient. There are a lot of choices, uh, uh, and uh, if you're slow, if it takes more than a second, people are going to go away. The second thing is uh, the uh, the appropriate and the applicability of the content. So, uh, you know, it's extremely important in China to be able to push uh, relevant content uh, to the the consumer demographics group that you're targeting, uh, because uh, it, and this this goes into uh, how China is a very different uh, consumer market. So. Uh, You know, uh, in the Western world, we have, uh, you know, uh, imagine, you know, a a 20-something or 30-something daily lives, right? You have Facebook, you have Twitter, you have Google, uh, you know, you have YouTube, you have Instagram, uh, you have Reddit, uh, you know, among others, right? And all these different uh, uh, companies, uh, you know, have their own different ecosystems. And uh, you know they, they certainly don't share credit, uh, share the data across different ecosystems. In China, if you look at it, you know you know across commerce, Alibaba certainly dominates. Uh, and then you have Weibo, and then you have uh, which is uh, you know a, a Twitter uh, in China, and then you have uh, you know AliPay, which is uh, the dominant mobile payment uh, you know in China, and then you have uh, Ali Movies, you have Ali Sports, so. It's, there are probably one or two companies uh, that uh, each of them has, uh, uh, you know, operating entities that occupy people's daily lives. So I can easily say that Alibaba uh, is a very big part of, you know, a a consumer's daily life, right? And then that, in addition to the fact that everything is, is on mobile, so all of a sudden, you have all these ecosystem products, uh, you know, all interacting with the same user on the mobile phone. And then in China, getting a mobile phone isn't so easy. You got to go through real name registration, right? Here I can go to, uh, uh, you know, an at store, or I can go to uh, a, a Telestore, uh, and then I can get a burner phone. And, and you know, it, the it, it's, it's not... Uh, It's not that easy to accurately identify the end user, but in China, it's different. Uh, The the companies and and the government know exactly who is behind uh, what mobile number. So when you combine these characteristics, companies have started to take advantage of the fact that, you know, you are able to get, uh, you know, a very, very accurate profile. Uh, of your customer, so what we call in the Western world the customer 360. In China, you can get pretty damn close, right? So, what does that mean for for brands wanting to enter China? Uh, your com- your competition has a very good uh, uh, profile of of their target demographic, and if you don't, you're you're pushing out uh, less relevant or even irrelevant contents. And you will be discarded, right? So, so that's that's one thing that is very critical uh, for brands entering China is that you are encountering competitions doing things that that you didn't see, you didn't think was possible, uh, and it is possible in China. So, what you have to do is you have to, uh, you know, really understand the landscape and understand the technologies available uh, to take advantage of the landscape, and that's what. Uh, you know together with Alibaba Cloud and WPIC that's what we can do uh, for these brands entering the market.
0: So that that was uh, uh, hopefully the long answer to your question. (laughs) But it was good It was good thank you very much. Joseph why don't you jump on that as well talk a little bit about how the speed of China's consumers uh, are affecting what type of technologies different brands need to be leveraging.
1: Sure. You know, I mean, obviously how addressed it, you know, across a, a wide range of relevant points in there, um, you know, from where we sit, you know, we, you know, we activate, you know, brands on the cloud, on all above a cloud, we integrate them, you know, through the firewall in whatever way they need to. We'll connect databases and technologies and ERP systems to speak to one another between China and um, you know, whether it's the U S or Europe or other places where they're located um, you know, and help it offices and CTO teams to, you know, deploy inside the market, the types of things, you know, that we typically see that are, you know, important to organizations as they're, you know, rolling out inside the market is if they want to be able to, you know, roll out, you know, online inside China, obviously participate in the market, you know, they're desperate for information, they're desperate for analytics, the market's always been a little bit challenging to pull real data out of so you know when an organization deploys you know inside Alibaba cloud and they get some robust you know analytics programs built into that it allows them to understand the pace at which the market moves and as they adopt new technologies you know you have the leaders inside the market you have the mainstream channels but you know new channels are popping up quickly <clears throat> and if you're not in the game if you're not measuring that data it becomes really challenging to understand how the consumer market shifts how you know a particular post you know that goes viral on wechat could be something that you know a really prominent brand out of the u.s has just no visibility into and that viral activity online you know wechat you know in china could really shift a market to pivot to a new channel a new platform <clears throat> you know there could be you know, 300 million, you know, us dollars of GMV that gets generated out of a ripple effect of behaviors out of something like that. And, you know, unless you're on the ground, participating, measuring, ready to move quickly, you know, a lot of foreign brands are really going to miss out on that. And we're seeing that in the data, you know, especially coming, you know, freshly out of 1111 11 here, really strong performance from a lot of local brands and a lot of local organizations inside China um, who by default understand that and have their ear to the track, right? To see where the pace of change goes. Um, so that's really important. You know, another thing that we typically deal with from where we sit is when you know, you're know you working with global organizations and hypothetically they use something like Salesforce or Marketo for marketing automation or they use Salesforce for their CRM, you know, and managing customer and, and client data. Well, you know, something like Salesforce that sits on a global cloud, you know, they don't have pods inside China. You know, there are issues around their compliance inside the market. So, you know, a brand that tries to push via their dot com, you know, in their global experience into China to, you know, enable market, marketing automation or their have their CRM, you know, function for them and be useful for them inside China, we start to see these breakdowns <clears throat> inside the market. And so not only does it a matter of you know pushing You know, inside of, you know, a dedicated Chinese domain with an ICP and hosting inside the market, but then you get to all the next layers of technologies that just aren't going to stand up well inside the market. And then with that, you know, you're going to get all sorts of data loss, which is, again, not going to enable you to participate and manage the fast moving pace of the market online inside China. Thus, just propelling your success downward, right? Um, at the end of the day, you know you'll have a CIO's office you know sitting in you know midwest u s looking at the data from China and the performance and saying, "What's the big deal with the market? We're not seeing it. Well, really, what they're not seeing is the path to success, and they're not really being able to read the tea leaves in the market, right that help them understand, okay, if we made some shifts to our procedure, you know that we're going to be able to participate you know in some of the success and leverage this fast-moving you know environment um that you stated
0: we're going to move now to singles day discussion uh move into the next phase of this and maybe i'll come back to you what are some of the broader trends that you're seeing among chinese consumers this year how is technology impacting that
1: Sure. Well, you know, we have the run up to Singles Day, we have the run up to 1111, you know, everybody knows what this is and this was, you know, just a gift from Alibaba to the world to say, you know, come and liquidate inside China, right? I think one of the trends that we've seen this year is as opposed to other years, you know, traditionally what you've seen is you roll into Singles Day, in November 11th, is you start to see a lull in transactions roughly about a month in advance of that so in september we have the 9 9 the september 9th shopping day festival which can be extraordinarily successful the remainder of september runs fairly normal and then in october we start to see things slow down and i think this has always been a combination of you know brands putting a lot of their bandwidth to preparing for eleven eleven, as well as potential consumers holding off on those purchases until the sales and promotions start to come out and get released. What we saw this year was we saw no dip in October. So we came out of the September 9th, nine nine festival, really strong September being really strong and continuing that trend right through into October with traffic demand inquiries, sales basket activity, all continue in the upward trajectory throughout the year, which was a major change this year. Now that we've had, you know, the pre-sales come in and performance in and around 1111 start to you know, show its colors. It was a really, really strong performance coming out of it. And we got the first indicators coming through in pre-sale where we started to see a lot of baskets fill up and customers lay out those deposits for those particular purchases, so we've been really thrilled this year with what we've seen. We've been really thrilled with what we've seen, you know, throughout October as well. It's it's you know really encouraging and getting everybody really excited to continue to push forward um, for a really successful Q4 and an overall really successful 2019.
0: How? What are typically some of the winning tactics that brands are using to succeed on 1111, uh, and then broadly just across China in general?
2: Uh, that's a good question. So, uh, I think really is to um, in order to the the mo- the most successful vendors uh, that I've seen on Singles Day, and you know I have uh, you know one that I call uh, my customer. Uh, they they consistently are uh, have been over uh, over the last couple years uh, the top five brands of all brands, not just foreign brands, but all brands uh, on Mall on Singles Day. Is that they engage uh, the Chinese consumers through a process of gamification. So, what does that mean? As you know, uh, you know the, the the Chinese people like to interact, uh, you know, with their mobile phones. Uh, you know, and the Chinese people also love games in general, right? So, it's it's no secret that Alibaba has long been doing game shows. You know, similar to uh, what uh, you know uh, would be a a New Year's Eve party sort of thing on tv uh, you know the program you know alibaba has done uh, game shows through the mobile phone to get uh, their consumers to interact with them uh for, for singles day now the the most successful brands that i've seen have also adopted this uh, uh tactic and uh you know they they try to engage uh, their consumers right up to Singles Day, you know, literally when the clock strikes 12 uh, or 12 o'clock uh, and one second. And and that's when, uh, you know, the consumers are ready and they're in the mindset uh, and they're, uh, you know, making the purchases of of the product from the brand that they've been engaged with. So that's one tactic that I've really seen, uh, you know, take off uh, for some of the top brands uh, that have done well on Singles Day is, is to keep their attention, stay engaged with them. Uh, you know, using gamification so that uh, you know uh, the consumers are, are able to have fun, and then when they do, uh, they tend to spend money.
0: Okay, Joseph, over to you. As we're just finishing 1111 Singles Day this week, can you speak a bit about some of the trends that you saw for this festival?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that we saw um, you know transaction volume up. We saw basket size up. And we saw overall turnover up across a multitude of sectors, apparel, footwear, outdoor, cosmetics, topical skin, personal care, children's, etc. Everybody was up, which is great, <clears throat> obviously, right? This is what the brands are going to want to experience. And we weren't subject to, you know, super heavy discounts either to drive that, which, again, is so encouraging, Um you know, so this provides all sorts of opportunity and runway for brands to, you know, kind of exploit this reality inside the market. You know, something that we've seen, and this supports, you know, what How is talking about in terms of successful strategies he's seen in his recommendations is we have seen, and we saw it this year and we're continuing to see this growing trend is a major decentralization of web behavior inside the market. So, you know, consumers are seeking Intel and content and data from a multitude of sources to validate and verify before they make a purchase. Not much different than what we see in the West, right? As users go through the purchasing hierarchy through that funnel, we start to see, you know, awareness and conviction, you know, and preference, you know, tr- get triggered at different stages of the funnel. And we're using different channels to be able... To amplify that, right? Whether you're pushing to, um, you know, a content platform, a forum, a portal, a BBS, believe it or not, which are still hugely popular inside the market. You know, yeah, social and WeChat plays a role at some point in the process. You know, ads and content and customer service inside Tmall plays a role at some point, of course, but we're seeing this real large decentralization you know, we're, we're, really supports our longstanding, you know, decade long thesis where we are such fans of, you know, this .cn strategy, you know, .cn being a metaphor for a Chinese website hosted inside the market, because with the decentralization, you need some repository to collect the Intel and the data, you know, to feed back to decision makers, you know, per your earlier question. So we can use, you know, a China hosted site in some way loaded up with an analytics measurement tool to use that to shoot out and push content out there in the market, refer users back to the site, you know, use something like an OAuth 2.0 protocol to get people, you know, automatically signed in and logged in and following, you know, a social channel, which pushes them to the social channel and then back to the site using API connectivity, you know, with Tmall to then shoot them from a product page on a site over to Tmall and then back and back and back and forth until finally they make the purchase. So really using all of these channels, you know, basically anchored in a dot .cn, you know, cloud experience, just as how it says to command the attention to keep the consumer eyeball on you and only you right from initial discovery through to end purchase. And based on your sector, you know, and product and price point, You know that could be a ten-minute journey, or that could be a ten-day journey, or that could be a ten-month journey, depending on what it is, right? So, you know, this has been the trend that we've seen growing over the years. It's stayed true, you know, ever since even Weibo came online many years ago, um, through to now this e-commerce revolution, largely driven by Alibaba and Tmall.
0: Thanks for that, Joseph. Okay, guys, we're gonna go to some questions from the audience now, and how maybe I'll jump over to you. We've discussed being prepared to do business in China, but as we've seen, eleven eleven is a totally different story. They call it Black Friday on steroids. So, can you talk a little bit about what's required from a brand to be prepared for this, you know, special time, and in order to participate, what do they need to do to be prepared just for being able to offer deals on eleven eleven?
2: Well, I think uh, you know what is cool about 1111 and, and frankly, Alibaba's uh, platform is that, uh, you know, for the most part, the infrastructure uh, uh, needs, you know, on the e-commerce itself is taken care of for you, right? So, if you're uh, setting up a shop on Mall and, uh, you know, you, you don't really need to worry about, uh, you know, the infrastructure needs for 1111, because it is tremendous, right? Uh, you know, last year, uh, uh, 2018, since the, the numbers this year have been finalized, 2018, the number was 31 billion, the first billion which was done in the first 55 seconds, right? So, so just imagine the infrastructure needs uh, that you don't have to worry about. Now, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that uh, because the in- e-commerce infrastructure uh, burden doesn't fall on the brands, it doesn't mean that uh you don't need to be prepared uh for your own digital presence and uh you know the type of traffic that uh, a successful 1111 could bring right so uh you know uh like we uh, have talked about you know during this webinar uh that uh you know uh Having a Dotsie and having the having the uh, the right infrastructure, uh, you know, for the Chinese consumers. Having uh, the right CDN to be able to serve uh, consumers in the second and third tier cities, like Joseph said earlier. You know, uh, having the right uh, 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 security measures, right? Uh, you know, China uh, remains one of the most active markets uh, for DDoS attacks. Uh, for any any public-facing web presence, uh, having the right uh, uh, business-level security, you know, do you know that if you had a consumer make a comment on your digital presence, whether it's a, a mobile app or it's a website, a- and that comment happens to be politically sensitive, that you're on the hook for that, right? We've seen, you know, like I said earlier, we've seen some of the largest brands in the world uh, have their website shut down by the Chinese government because of, uh, you know, the the carelessness. Uh, you know, uh, uh, in handling information that is on uh, their digital presence, right? Uh, so, so these are all the uh, steps. You know, almost like a checklist. You know, that you got to be able to, uh, you know, step through and make sure that you know every one of the boxes is checked uh, before you can. You know, feel confident in uh, you know serving the right content, which is you know like I said earlier, it's 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 of the most important uh, uh, one of the most important things in order to be successful in China is ser- serving the relevant content. Right. So, so you know, with Alibaba uh, Cloud and with WPIC, uh, this is the the type of value that we can bring. We can help you through the checklist.
0: All right, Joseph, I want to come back to you and give you the opportunity, because I know you'll have some brilliant answers for this. So talk a little bit about, you know, the 1111, what's required from a brand in order to participate, and how can they make sure that they're prepared for everything that's special and monstrous about
1: 1111? Sure. Thanks. Well, I think, you know, communication with the platform is critical. Um, you know, how mentioned that, you know, really the, the platform does the lift and they, they're the ones that are doing all the work, um, which is great. So, you know, what can you be, what what can you do to be a good steward of that? You know, as a brand, you know, early communication, really strong relationships with your shower or your category manager. Um, you know, for example, if you're in you know, footwear, right? Communicating early with the category managers for footwear and communicating early, right? Coming out of 618, you know, June 18th, the second biggest sales festival on the market. Coming out of that, communicating with, you know, the category manager of footwear, for example, you know, sharing your experiences about what happened in June, you know, sharing some initial plans about what you want to do, getting buy-in from the brand. So, you know, we're a TP. We operate stores. You know, our methodology is not, you know, for us to go, you know, into Hangzhou to the category manager at Alibaba and say, you know, here's what we want to do for 1111. You know, our methodology might be more to grab our client from the U.S., plan a trip to China in the summer or September. Go meet with Alibaba, sit down, get in a room for a couple hours, get on the whiteboard, talk about what the brand wants to do, ask Alibaba how they're going to support you, talk about commitment. We'll bring a bunch of data to the table and strategies and things like this, and really try and sort of level jump compared to our competitive set to say, look at, we're locked, loaded, totally prepared to be as aggressive as possible to win our category. And the response from Alibaba is really, really strong. They're really receptive to that kind of attitude. If you're legitimately prepared to come in and support them on the lift. So this, you know, out of the gate is what one needs to do, I think, to get themselves really prepared. But ultimately, you know, it comes back to the brand to say, look at what do you want to do? What do you want to achieve here? You know, how big of a day, how big of a sales festival do you want? That's sort of the most important question to answer. Once we answer that, then you apply, you know, the appropriate strategy. Starting with at the high end, walking through, like you know, I stated there around, um, you know, preparing to go in. And, you know, have meetings and have workshops with them down through to the other side, which, you know, might just be, you know, spinning up some campaigns, um, you know, nominating three or four really hot products, putting a light 10% discount on it. And then, um, you know, running the standard program, um, you know, inside the ecosystem.
0: All right. Hal, Joseph, can't thank you both enough. I think we're going to have to put a bow on it here now. Uh, Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you to our audience and everybody for listening. I really appreciate you jumping on here. Hope you found it as valuable as I did. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our audience. Have a great day, everybody. Growing a company is hard. Doing it in a foreign market? Exponentially so. The best piece of advice I can give you is not to do it alone. When you start looking across the pond for further expansion possibilities, and I sincerely hope that you do, make sure you choose the right partners to do it with.